social ladies. All the 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 social ladies. Now put your phones up. Feels like we were just saying hello. And now it's time to say goodbye. This is our last episode of the year and the season. We have been recording these episodes since March from our kitchen. Yeah, our little kitchen island, literally one foot apart from each other. (laughs) We're very, we're in very close proximity to each other. How many episodes have we recorded now? This is our 28th episode. Wow. Proud of us. I have learned a lot through this podcasting experience. Can you share one learning? Don't record when Jen is hangry. (laughs) I think that's good future advice. (laughs) Yeah. But also, in the beginning, I was nervous. Yeah. And then now it's something I look forward to when I see it on my calendar. I'm like, great, a way to take a break from my day and talk to some really awesome people. That felt like a jab at me because I always put these things on your calendar. And I'm just like, hey, we're going to do this right now. (laughs) I've gotten used to it. Well, like I said, now it's a nice break. Yeah. So we want to do a bit of a 2020 recap. And we're going to ask some questions. Which, if that's at all possible, there's so much that's happened this year. (laughs) We're definitely not going to be able to cover everything. For sure. But we'll do some highlights. What social app did you spend the most time on this year? Definitely TikTok. Although I haven't gotten the pop-up message like you have saying, we think you should probably stop scrolling. Has anyone else gotten those? I get them constantly. (laughs) It's like, hey, it's time to go to bed. I'm like, oh, is it? It's just become such a part of my nightly routine. Instead of watching TV before bed, I need to reserve an hour to scroll through TikTok. Yeah. I mean, this year alone, we saw the growth of TikTok. We saw so many savage dances. (laughs) We actually recorded a dance ourselves in the beginning of quarantine. Our first dance on TikTok. Our first video on TikTok was Takesha's Cannibal. Yes. That's a throwback. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I feel like the first few episodes we recorded of this TikTok was brand new to a lot of people. And now here we are at the end of the season and it's our guest's favorite app. Yeah, that is actually very interesting to think about. It did be Instagram. I was startled by that. Yeah. I mean, we also watched Quibi come and go. Oh, Quibi. Well, speaking of TV, not short form, lots of long form content that we watched. (laughs) Lots of binge watching. What was your favorite show that we watched this year? Oh, man. We just finished The Undoing, which I really enjoyed. Very good. But it's hard to discredit Tiger King. That was an Hard to believe that that was even this year. Social media went crazy for Tiger King. Memes galore. And then we saw Carol Baskins on Dancing with the Stars. We thought it would be everyone's Halloween costume, but then we didn't get a Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) Funny how that worked out. What about the lunchroom meme? what table you would sit at. Do you remember that? That couldn't have been this year. I promise it was. And Jane Lynch and the multiple lives that Sue Sylvester has lived. Wow. What other memes? The rise in popularity of the This Is Fine dog again. Oh, yeah. Which perfectly depicted 2020 for everyone. Okay, what about one social prediction you have for the coming year? Social prediction for 2021. Well, it's on the record now. So choose wisely. (laughs) Thinking about the year, we saw brands start to take a stance, mm-hmm. and we saw consumers demand that yeah. of the brands. The level of transparency we're getting from all the brands we follow these days right. is incredible. Right. And I think on Instagram specifically, it's becoming much more of a network that isn't about beautiful landscapes and food photography and influencers, you know, modeling. Mm-hmm. 
it's becoming more of a community and a place for people to information share and spread awareness and give people a platform. So I can see other social networks following suit in 2021. Or more specifically, I see brands shifting from Facebook to Instagram in 2021 because Facebook is a mess. (laughs) To put it lightly. To put it lightly. So I would say that's mine. How about you? I'm still really feeling the momentum of community managers carrying the personalities of brands and really being on the front lines of social day in and day out. Yeah, the the recognition that people in the social space have gotten this year. I am here for yeah, a greater respect for the position of a social media person not being an intern not being an intern. Yes, absolutely. Okay, Jen, do you have any last words for our listeners as we head into our last interview of the season? I just want to say thank you. I mean, retweet. It's so cool that we get to do this every week. I'm just so thankful for the people who listen to us. Yeah, we already have a full spreadsheet of ladies we want to talk to next season. So that we do get ready. But we have one last interview to round out the season. Today, we are talking to Megan Darmody, the Director of Press and Partnerships at Urban Stems. We talked to Megan about the state of the floral industry and Mm -hmm. how COVID has impacted it, and also all of the awesome partnerships that Megan has worked on in the past and some upcoming ones for the future. Let's hear it. Hi, Megan. Welcome to All the Social Ladies. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. We're going to jump right in with our social media speed round. We're going to ask you a couple of questions and answer as fast as you can, okay? Okay. What is your favorite social network? Instagram. What is your go-to emoji? Like the dough kind of face? Yeah, that one. What about Twitter or TikTok? Oh, I, I should say TikTok. I wish I was saying TikTok, but probably because I'm older, it's Twitter. What about stories or feed? Stories. What Instagram ad can you not get rid of. Oh, this is funny. I um, was searching for sneakers, fashion sneakers, I think they're called. But mm-hmm. I am getting inundated by those like golden goose, like oh. $500 sneakers that like I cannot afford. And it's just mocking <laughs> me to no end. It's been for like three weeks, actually. I got an ad for them yesterday. And I thought to myself, wow, what did I do to deserve this? <laughs> That they think that I'm going to buy $500 fashion sneakers. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. What about your favorite meme? Oh, um, for 2020, I think obviously the dumpster fire was like a big one that we used, but, Mm -hmm. um, but lately because of the holidays, I feel like I've transitioned. I'm the biggest national lampoon Christmas vacation fan. (laughs) Like we've watched it every year at growing up. And so lately with my family, it's just been like whole conversations of the, and there's a lot of really good right. national land yeah. memes out there. Okay. Last speed round question. It's 2005 and you're on MySpace. What song would be playing on your profile? Oh my gosh. I was very emo in my, in my like preteen teen. I mean, let's be honest, really carried into college. So it was probably Same. like something <laughs> corporate. <gasps> Hell yes. I am shocked because a handful of ladies have also said they had an emo phase and we obviously did as well. <laughs> like, how did we, Michelle, like, how did we find these women who were like us? I love it. There's a whole it's set just, of us out there. Who knew that we all would be working in media too, you know, like it's such a weird coincidence <laughs> that I can't seem to wrap my head around. 
I actually, that's so true. I don't really get it. (laughs) Now that we know that we are fellow emo kids, let's jump into (laughs) the interview. We would love to hear a little bit about your background and what brought you to Urban STEM. So I spent most of my career um, out of college uh, and for about a decade, actually in PR. Um, Mm -hmm. I was working for the hospitality industry. And right out of college, I kind of landed this very non-traditional job um, where I was working at home for a woman who had her own PR agency. And I suddenly was working for Jose Andres, who at the time was like a young chef in Washington, D.C. with a few restaurants, obviously now is like one of the biggest chefs in the world. Yeah. So Michelle's eyes lit up. She was like, well, I I was planning on asking you later about that partnership. So I love that there's more background to it than I even expected. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, as a 23 year old, like I obviously didn't really know. And, and I, I would probably assume that most people who were working around him at the time, like, you know, nobody really knew what the future would hold, but um, I really got thrown into the the chef world, the hospitality world, the restaurant world, and and obviously fell in love with it. It's a great job for a twenty year old, especially mm-hmm. a pretty poor twenty year old, to <laughs> uh, be able to go eat and drink for free as your job. The um, dream, yeah. And so I, you know, I I worked at that agency for a while. I um, actually through sort of Jose ended up working in New York for a year at another agency. Um, And then I I went to school at Maryland. So I've I've been in the DC area for a long time and uh, got an opportunity to come back and work in-house for a restaurant group here that was kind of like a smaller restaurant group, but was really emerging. They were about to open a big brewery. Um, I was a very big beer person. I'm actually originally from Pennsylvania, like craft beer, um, like kind of before craft beer was craft beer. So had always really been interested in the brewery world. And so I went in-house and I'd say that that was a a really interesting turning point for me because when you go in-house and you're doing a little bit of everything, I got to touch social media, I got to touch email, um, and I was able to transition a little bit out of just a publicist um, role and get a taste for, for the sort of full marketing suite. After about four years um, with with a great company and growing with them, I started to think like, am I going to do restaurant and hospitality work for the rest of my life? Like, mm-hmm. what am I going to do? And actually, funny enough, my husband had sent me a bouquet for Valentine's oh. Day. And he had always <laughs> been like a pro flowers guy, like when we Love were it. dating. And then like sent me this kind of new cool company. And I remember looking at the collateral and being like, wait, what is this? He's like, oh, it's actually local. They just, you know, started here in DC. And I was like, you can do this. You know, you could, you could pivot to the startup world. I was like, no way. Like I've been in restaurants my whole life. Like that's all I know. And what I realized is that like a lot of the grit that it takes to do hospitality, you know, um, the creativity, the flexibility, that capability of like wearing a lot of different hats. Um, all of that actually set me up to be really flexible in terms of a startup culture. Totally. Um, and I ne- I had honestly, like, I don't think anybody would have recognized that. It was really funny when I joined the startup, so many of the people, and it was still really small when I joined Urban Stems, but so many of the people were like, you're actually one of the few like startup-y people here because, you know, I didn't come from like a bigger company. Obviously in DC, 
there aren't right. a lot of startups here. So there, there, um, you know, a lot of people were coming from, from consultancies or, you know, uh, doing government work or whatever it may be. And, and I was kind of one of the people that like didn't balk at the chaos and the, you know, right. like just kind of every day there's like a new uh, fire to put out. So, um, so in, in some ways, like the restaurant world trained me really well for it. Um, I have been here for four years, four and a half, actually almost five. And yeah, been able to grow it from when I joined, we were a city, like a city by city, same day only operation. So we were only in New York and DC. And of course now we're nationwide and um, it's been a great ride. It's so cool that you found out about the brand from receiving the actual flowers and like developed that relationship and interest in it just from being a consumer yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, it was, it's still to this day when I'm talking about urban stems to people and I'm trying to kind of explain why we're different or what we do. It's that feeling of, oh, this is different. Like because right. flower delivery has been dominated by, you know, very large, large companies and they have a, a formula, right? And and like no one's really come along to like disrupt it and make it new and modern. So when you have a modern floral experience, it it feels very different. And it was mm-hmm. so it very much was like, wait, this packaging's different. This bouquet is different. Like it had a succulent in it. And I was like, yeah. was so, you know, like it just it felt cool. And and flower delivery had not felt cool to me uh, in, in my, you know, relationships before, like when I had been on the receiving end of them. And so, you know, a lot has changed in our company five years later, but like that essence, like still definitely very important to us. I think that's a perfect segue into talking about the flower industry in general, because you mentioned pro flowers, you have 1-800-Flowers. And yeah. I most notably know about Urban Stems because I live in New York, but there's also yeah. the Vokes now, like there's all of these different more more trendy, I guess you use that word, flower yeah. delivery services. So give us a quick overview of what like the state of the flower delivery industry looks like currently. So you still have, you know, 1-800, obviously, you you still have them um, and, and they operate a little bit differently. Uh, the Books is doing and we do a little oh, bit. Of I've been this. saying it wrong this whole time. Oh, that's fine. I, <laughs> like, I okay. Actually, yeah, like a, wow. it, some people say bouquet. So, you know. Oh, that's true. Vase, I think that's why. Tomato, tomato. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Exactly. Um, all right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, yeah all, all up to you. Um, but so, th- you know, there are also um, people like them, and, and we do a little bit of this as well, who are actually working with the farms um, and delivering, you know, directly from the farm. Um, I think that was definitely something that it was like the, uh, an evolution, right? Like when mm. these, you know, new players like us or farm girl came on, you know, that was something that was able to be explored. So yeah, I think now what is great is, is you do have all these different options. I think, you know, there are, there are local florists who are still amazing and doing wonderful custom things for you when you need it, you know, and then you also have people like us who are out and able to do something at maybe an affordable price point, you know, for someone's birthday and, and I, or, you know, adjust because is something we really like to think of. And also something that's like, as you know, to your point, kind of modern, kind of interesting, like you're not embarrassed to send it to your best friend, because it's going to be like a multicolor mess, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's like, it feels cool. And it's something interesting. And maybe it's her favorite flower. And you know, it's seasonal, and it the colors are appropriate to the season. And so I mean, we really take 
that into consideration that like, why are you buying this, which is also a, a great advantage during, uh, you know, something like we've been going through this past year, in a pandemic where there right. seems to be a real need and a lot, a lot of um, occasions that are unfortunately not being celebrated in person. Um, so yeah, I, I think the state of the floral industry is is really strong and really good. I feel like with what you said too, with the succulents, and mm-hmm. we know there's like the potted plants and gift bundles, yeah. it makes it like there are more opportunities and occasions, like you said, to give flowers. It doesn't feel like just a romantic anniversary thing right. or congratulations on your promotion. There are like yeah. so many more opportunities to gift flowers now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our I think the the most interesting thing to me when I joined is that I found out very quickly that our customer is a woman. Mm. Our customer is not a man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Shocking to no one. Women are more thoughtful. Um, so, <laughs> so we're doing a lot of gifting throughout the year. And, you know, it's only on, on Valentine's day, do we see a higher percentage of, of men customers, but it's, it's not by any means what you would think in terms of just like a dominated, you know, by, by male sending to women as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is women sending to women, to be honest. Or buying for themselves too, right? Absolutely. We've seen we've seen such an amazing uptick in self sense through COVID. I love that. Which I think I'm is, one of them. Yeah. <laughs> which I think is so great, and it's my favorite like thing to look. Um, you know, occasionally when when we were in the office and be able to do like fulfillment on busy busy holidays or things like that, and to be able to see someone sending a note to themselves on Valentine's Day, like there is nothing as awesome as that. It's just I love so that. great. Or, or Note just to like, self, yeah. do that this year. <laughs> it's so great. Or, or, or like if you have a big presentation coming up or, you know, things like that, yeah. seeing women send to themselves um, is has been awesome. So I want to talk about the pandemic a little bit and yeah, how that sure. affected your business. I know you already touched on this idea that people were doing more gifting remotely. Of course, that makes a lot of sense. But what other trends did you really see over the course of the past couple of months that were COVID related? You know, I think we have seen sentiment change, um, you know, for different reasons. Self-send is definitely one of them. Like I said, I think we saw a 300% increase over Thanksgiving, people sending to their own homes. Mm-hmm. So we also saw, or we have seen an uptick in people sending flowers for weddings. Um, oh, yeah. Which I or think- Or would have been you know, wedding dates. I know. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's actually our um, manager, our senior manager of content was supposed to get married this year. And when her, you know, date was coming up and we were talking through it, she was like, I think we should name a bouquet the postponement to oh, like, give a nod <laughs> to, to be, you know, people like her that, um, that weren't going to be celebrating their nuptials. Um, so we did actually, we, we don't have a wedding bouquet. We don't market to specifically weddings, mm-hmm. but we did see like sort of non-traditional celebrations happening for weddings, which was, which was really great and, and something we leaned into, um, you know, and then we've, we've seen a lot of, I, I mentioned just sort of the, just because I think there is a lot of like the checking in, mm-hmm. um, that, is is really great. I'm glad you brought up the messaging piece too. Tell us how that has really evolved over the course of the year, calling attention to more of these, I don't want to call them like sad moments, but missed <laughs> yeah. opportunities or what would have been. What What's pivoted there? You know, I think that we were in a like Mother's Day planning moment when sort of the oh, shutdown yeah. happened. Yep. And I am really thankful for the facts, you know, sometimes 
sometimes not, but I was really thankful of being at a startup with a very lean team and be able to say, we are redoing our entire strategy. You know, we can't, we can't sit here and talk about Mother's Day in the same way that we would have normally. And, you know, our imagery can't look the same. Um, at the time, I mean, to be quite honest, I was at home with two kids, you know, no support. I don't have any family nearby. And I was trying to work in a very busy season. I was mm-hmm. like, guys, motherhood looks messy right now. Like, <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, ironically, four mothers. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so we, you know, we're able to come up with an entire campaign that spoke to that, that spoke to like, you know, this is like a really chaotic time for moms and they're always superheroes, but let's like show it in a real way. I think the other thing that's really tough for brands that has been throughout COVID is how do you shoot content? You yes. know, even if you could, even if you could get models together and, and you know, do a full production, it doesn't feel real. And right. it's not something that people want to see in their Instagram feed anyways. Mm-hmm. So um, we had to really reach out to anyone and everyone to create UGC footage and then try and edit and piece it together. Mm-hmm. And that was our Mother's Day campaign was this like, you know, splice together iPhone footage, which is almost more authentic. Yeah, yeah, it really felt like it. I mean, it did, right? It was it was a mixture of influence that we work with. It was an, you know mixture of, of people we are actually employed by us. And, um, mm-hmm. and it ended up, you know, I think like I was like crying as I was like watching the, the oh. campaign when it came together because it it was humorous and it was uplifting and it was nice and it was funny, but it also kind of showed that like, it is just a complete blend, right. Of like everything right now. There's, there's no like having this breakfast in bed, like, you know, mother's day (laughs) moment anymore. (laughs) Like it's, it's just all melded together. So I think that in that way, you know, to your point about pivoting, I mean, that's what this year has just been about. Totally. This is like such a random sidebar example, but I got a post in my feed after the first presidential debate from a food brand and it said it was like a comfort food mac and cheese Mm. and it was like we could all need or we all need a warm hug right now in the form of this mac and cheese and that little piece of copy I just was like comforted to know that they didn't plan it you know three months in advance and it wasn't scheduled like it was really speaking to me in that moment and I think like you said it, it leaves a lasting impression when you're relating to people where they are at that time. And exactly. I think that that's probably a trend where a lot of us in social media ha- historically plan so far ahead. I think we're all going to start to shift to more of a figure it out as we go model yeah. <laughs> real time and leave room. I think that's the other right. thing is like, like, you know, we're, we're planning, we, we, you know, product wise, like we have a product that has to grow. And so like, of course they have to plan, you know, their lead times out. But I do think you have to leave some space for creativity. And it's something as a startup, we want to always be able to have our our CEO always says like, yes, like we need to get better about process. We need to get better about longer leads so that we, you know, all aren't scrambling. But we also have to have this like easy pass lane, like so that (laughs) if something does come up, you know, that we feel like this is perfect and it's going to speak to our customers and it's going to resonate and we have an idea and it's really good. Mm-hmm. There has to be a way to fast track. I love that term, easy lane. I'm going to pass that to our project manager. <laughs> well, I want to shift gears a little bit to kind of the meat of your role at Open Stems, which yeah. is 
partnerships, right? So tell us a little bit about the partnerships that you've led with Urban Stems and why it's so important to build these cross-industry connections. Yeah, for sure. So when I came into Urban Stems, it was a part of my role. And, you know, honestly, when we were a city-by-city company at the time when I joined, that meant really going to local businesses and trying to find ways to uh, either do events or get in front of their customers. I mean, um, a great example, I thought about this the other day was like, I was handing out, you know, single stems or making flower crowns at a sweet green, mm. like opening like, the, wow. which, like, that's like what, what it, that's what partnership was, you know, four years ago for me and the business. And, and, and honestly, it was a great strategy. There was a lot of brand alignment between people who want delicious salads and um, <laughs> people who are thoughtful and want to purchase flowers. It seemed like a really good fit at the time. And, you know, we, we still obviously want to do some of those things, you know, as a brand, as we evolve. But um, I think the same essence of, of what we were trying to do there is, is continued to grow. And, and there's a couple reasons that partnerships have worked for us. Um, one, for whatever reason, everyone loves flowers and they're a creative <laughs> outlet. Um, and they play well with a lot of other, whether it be fashion or beauty, um, you know, they're, they're this great complement to a lot of other, uh, products out there. Mm -hmm. Um, and they're engaging, you know, so I think we've been able to have the fortunate ability to do, you know, in-person, partnerships and and really help people maybe create some engagement in their storefront or retail or whatever it may be. And then we've also been able to do things that are solely digital, um, like our, our Vogue collaboration, where we're tapping into the creativity of Vogue editors to design a flower arrangement. And it always amazes me that I think these people who spend their days around the most beautiful clothes in the world are excited to play with flowers right. too. Like it's just fun, you know, mm -hmm. like literally no matter who you are, it's fun to create a bouquet. And so I feel really fortunate that I kind of landed this gig with this product that like other people really want to play with. And, <laughs> and that has <laughs> been, you know, and then obviously like we have goals around, um, around it. And one of them being the sort of novelty of the design. You know, I mm -hmm. think the Vogue collection is a great example of that where For sure. um, the output of what is on our site is very unique and different and is just um, something that other people can't replicate quite, uh, replicate, quite frankly, you know, um, those arrangements. Yeah, it makes you stand out. You're unique. Yeah. And, and I would say this too, I think when I talk to other brands and we talk about doing things like a licensing arrangement or somebody putting, you know, their name on a bouquet, they're always fascinated that like, we actually want them to design it. Like, I'm not just going to tell you here's a bouquet and you can put your name on it. Right. Um, we're like, no, like that's the whole point is we want more <laughs> yes. creativity. Um, I think, you know, partnerships, I'd say if, if a brand is kind of wanting to dabble in something and are like, how are we going to get our customers to pivot over here? A really great way to do that, obviously, is to bring in a brand partner who has sort of that stamp of that approval. Yeah. 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 And just by putting, you know, their name on it, it's like, okay, well, this makes sense why you're doing this. Right. Uh, it right. doesn't feel like a, a brand is trying to like gouge you in any way or suddenly, you know, transform themselves. And and that was what was really great. It's like, no, we're, we're, we're still going to be this 
you know, affordable birthday bouquet, you know, for you. But then we've also got this other thing for a special occasion or, you know, a wedding gift or whatever it might be that then can be something different. I feel like brands have a tendency to be selfish, right? Like in their marketing, (laughs) they want to be about them. If they're putting the dollars behind it, why share that stage and that spotlight with Another, Another brand. brand. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think especially on social media, we see this mm. even just thinking about like what brands are included in this photo when you're trying to promote, you know, a private brand versus a larger brand. So what yeah. would you say to marketers who are like hesitant to form these brand partnerships? That's, That's a, a good question. Great, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's such a great question. The partnerships that have been super, super successful for me have been ones where both brands have a goal clearly defined they don't have to be the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if your goal is acquisition or likes or engagement, kind of take your own ego out of it and try and figure out like, what is going to get me to that goal the best? Because the answer to your point may not always be that your brand name is forward. Right. Right. Um, And I I think that always focusing on the goal for your brand with every partnership and also understanding that not every partnership is going to solve all your problems. Um, <laughs> that was like something. That's the golden, <laughs> golden yeah, statement. Like in hindsight, right? Like in looking at the partnerships that we did, there was, there was sometimes, especially early on when we were doing these, this idea that like this partnership was going to change everything or catapult us or whatever right. it may be. And it solved a problem, you know, and I think now going into it, I am much more focused on establishing that up front so that the expectation. Mm-hmm. And then when somebody says, like, well, are we giving them too much? Or, you know, like, <laughs> d- are we going to be on it, It's a lot of tit for tat, right? You know, sometimes. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to be on the homepage, are they going to be on the homepage? And it's like, well, wait, let's go back to the goal. You know, like what, right. what are we trying to get out of it? Um, I think the other nice thing that we have been able to do is use partners to be introduced to people that then, you know, carry forward. So something that we have, uh, you know, the benefit of is, is we deliver product. Um, so one thing that we do a lot with our, our partners are like co-branded gifting. And, and that's been a nice way for us to, to meet with people as well. Cause yeah. Well, you know, we we're I have a good friend that's over at um at Fresh Beauty and so last Valentine's Day we did a Galentine mailer, you know, and they have some great influencer connections and we were able to say like, well, we'll deliver the package and it'll be this cute succulent, you know, in this vase and then some of your product and just gifting that out to a bunch of people um was able to to you know, get a fair amount of posts and just good good vibes and and good nature out of it. Um, so I that's use the fresh nice rose serum and I'm picturing <laughs> the fresh rose serum with a bouquet of roses from <laughs> I'm obs- I was I know the fresh rose line is so good my I'm gonna have to tell my friend Katie to listen now and be like hey I gave you I gave you some shout outs <laughs> I have to ask what yeah. your favorite urban stems arrangement is like if I was in the market to purchase <sighs> for say my best friend whose name rhymes with Rochelle <laughs> I love, what it. I, I love it. What would I purchase her? So, Subtle. I mean, I know. I I think that I, my my favorite bouquet definitely changes with the season, mm-hmm. but I will say this. Our dried bouquets are so fun. Yes, I love it. And also last. So, it's right. like, you know, an investment. Um, so I would say right now there's a a bouquet called the Malibu that we just launched in our like kind of late fall um, mm-hmm. dried bouquet. 
And it fittingly, and we didn't plan this. I mean, I should say we planned it, but it's <laughs> yellow. It's yellow, got like hints of yellow and hints of gray. And Pantone just yeah, the colors of the year. year. I know, right? Like, oh my who, goodness. Sometimes stuff works out. Okay, Megan, thank you so much for coming on the show and being our last guest of season five. Absolutely. And most importantly, happy new year. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. Could not will it to come fast the enough. The final countdown. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Jen. <laughs> yes. Do you remember the first time you received flowers? Holy crap. Um, it had to have been for a birthday. From a family member? Yeah, yeah, another. yeah. An ex-boyfriend brought me sunflowers once. That's cute. I remember telling my friend Andrea in college that I had never received flowers before, and then she got them for me one That's day randomly. That's so sweet. I love that. Yeah. I'll, no, I'll never forget it. Yeah, no, there is something so just nice about receiving an unexpected delivery of a beautiful floral arrangement. Agree. It was so cool to hear about how Megan's husband got her urban stems for the first time. I know. What a fun story. You know, I love the word serendipitous and that feels <laughs> like one of those moments. Okay, so the social account we want you to follow this week is at all the social ladies our own i can't believe we made it through an entire season without plugging ourselves i feel like we might have at one point but we'll pretend we didn't we're going to be posting some updates and some fun end of year content over on our instagram page leading into the launch of season six so if you don't already follow us and send us a message send us a dm we want to know who you are give us some feedback because all we know right now is our best friends and our parents (laughs) it's so true We want to hear from you, so say hi. Yeah, we'd love that. All right, ladies, see you next year. All the social ladies, 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 all the social ladies. Now put your phones up.